for me, it's really a pleasure, you know, to not only because I can play for my country, I can be part of the biggest sport event in the world and seeing other athletes who are the best in what they do. And I can only see that being very, very inspiring. Hey, everybody. Alan Bastable here from Golf.com. Welcome back to another Golf.com podcast. We're on a bit of a roll here with guests lately. Last week we had on the always entertaining former British Open champion Mark Kalkovecchia. This week we bring you another major winner. In fact, a two-time major winner in Martin Keimer, the 31-year-old pride of Dusseldorf, Germany. I first met Martin back in the fall of 2010 in the wake of his breakout season when he had won the PGA at Whistling Straits along with three other titles worldwide. We chatted at the late, not-so-great PGA Grand Slam of golf at uh, Port Royal Golf Course in Bermuda. Uh, We sat in a golf cart overlooking jagged cliffs in the Atlantic Ocean. I remember that interview not only for the stunning setting, but also for Martin's easygoing and accessible nature. I think I was expecting more of a stereotypical German qualities from Martin, you know, sternness or seriousness, maybe even some rigidness, Uh, but I didn't get any of those things from Martin. He was actually a pretty chill guy. I really enjoyed the interview. He was 25 years old then, and he told me, quote, I'm not 100% satisfied with what I've, achie- what I've achieved. I want to win more. And that's exactly what he did. Uh, he won uh, a European Tour event and a World Golf Championship in 2011. Uh, and, the, uh, of course, the U.S. Open at Pinehurst in 2014. He also won to Italy last year. So he's continued to rack up the wins. Where is his game today? Could he possibly make another run at the world number one ranking, which he held? for eight short weeks back in early 2001. That feels like a long time ago. Uh, and how does Martin feel about the Olympics, uh, which he will most likely be representing Germany in uh, Rio in a few short months. So we covered all those topics and more. Uh, it was a great conversation. I hope you stick around uh, and check it out. Uh, one quick side note, Martin is a spokesperson for Mercedes. Uh, they helped us arrange this interview. So a quick shout out to the automaker for uh, helping, helping set up this interview. So Martin joins us now from the stately Wentworth Club on the southwest fringes of London, where he's writing to play in one of the European Tours headline events, the BMW PGA Championship. Uh, Martin, thank you so much for uh, giving us some time today. It's Pro-Am Day at Wentworth. W- what is the scene like there? Oh, it's very nice. You know, it's always a huge, huge event for us on the European Tour. Um, you know, we play for quite a lot of world ranking points, um, good price, great fancy, and, and you know, with all that history that um, that Wentworth provides, um, is a massive tournament for us. I, I know some tour pros would rather have a root canal than playing a pro-am. Do you, do you fall into that camp, or, or can you find some joy in playing with, uh, you know, 15 handicaps? No, I mean, it's, it's really fun to, to, to play today. You know, I play with, with three rugby players, and um, obviously, if you play with athletes, we pretty much speak the same language. Um, we understand um, each other on, on on the same level. You know, it was really fun to play. We had a lot of laughs. And uh, you know, I didn't play a practice round yesterday or Monday because I arrived only last night. Um, so it was good for me to play another 18 holes here. Okay, so there's been a lot of chatter this week about the event itself, the what what uh, Europeans call the European PGA. Uh that it's lost some of its luster. I know some of the some of the big names not in the field include Rory McIlroy, Sergio, uh, Henrik Stenson's not there, Poulter and Casey are not there. Even Ernie Els, who redesigned the West Course, he is not in the field. 
I know you've spoken, uh, you've been pretty vocal about, uh, you know, supporting the event. Uh, I mean, are you disappointed that, uh, you know, some of the bigger names did not show up this week and, and show their support for the tour? Well, to be honest, for me as a player, obviously it's, it's less people I need to worry about. So from my perspective, uh, is uh, is fine. Obviously, uh, it's just a little bit disappointing for the for the fans. Um, they obviously they want to see the best players in the world, the best European in the world, and and if only fifty uh, percent or so show up, then obviously it's a shame for them. But at the end of the day, um, you know, I find it quite disappointing that we always focus on the people who are not here instead of uh, focusing on the people who, who are playing. Um, and some people they, they they bring it across a little bit disrespectful to to the people who are here. And especially, you know, they have a big English player here this week with, with, with Danny Willard, who won, who won the Masters. And I don't know, it has been a long, long time that, that an English player won the Masters. So I think we should be more focused on that and celebrating his win and trying to to perform in the tournament here. Yeah, th- th- you've played in this event a few times. I mean, it, does does it feel any different with, you know, when when some of the top players don't show up, or is there still you know considerable buzz on the grounds? No, I mean, the, the atmosphere is always always very good here. You know, it's obviously one of the biggest events that we have on the European Tour, and we all know that, that the fans here in London, um, with the history of that golf tournament, um, they're going to be quite a lot of people coming out and supporting us. So I don't think it will make any difference this year. Uh, strong finish for you at the Irish Open. You shot 65 on Sunday, which I think was low round of the day. Uh, it seems like your game's coming around. I know certainly U.S. fans, we, we remember your last win as – uh, you know, the U.S. Open at, at Pinehurst. I know you did win in Italy last year, but um, you're on a little bit of a dry spell. Do you feel like your game is coming around and, and you know, do you expect to be a threat in the uh, in the majors this season? Yeah, I've been practicing quite, quite a bit the last uh, couple of months, um, especially on my short game as well. And the only thing that was different on Sunday in Ireland that a few more putts dropped finally. And then obviously it creates a round like that. Playing-wise, I didn't play much much different than, than the rounds before. But finally, a couple of parts more dropped and all of a sudden you have a 65 on the card. So I, I just look really forward to the summer now because there are big tournaments coming up and um, hopefully um, I can play them good enough that I can qualify for the Ryder Cup. Right. I know that we'll, we'll get to that in a little bit. I definitely want to talk about the Ryder Cup. Uh, you know, you mentioned this summer. Obviously, it's, a, it's a, going to be a really hectic schedule um, with the majors, Ryder Cup, and also the Olympics. You know, when you do look ahead, is there one event in particular that you've, they're obviously all important to you, is there one that you've kind of circled twice on your calendar where you, where you think you might have a good shot or, or that you're, you know, you're, you're in particular looking forward to? Well, there are really three highlights uh, this year now coming up for me that I would love to win or at least give it a go um, on Sunday afternoon, which is, uh, which is the British Open, the Olympic Games, and then obviously be part of the Ryder Cup team again because you you grow so much as a person and as a golf player when you when you compete in those in those big events. And uh, I learned so much from my from my golf game, from my experience that I made at the Ryder Cups. And uh, I would love to be on the team again. And hopefully, I can I can help them to to keep the the trophy in Europe. Before we continue, here's another great podcast to check out: Beyond the Baseline with executive editor of SI John Wertime. Tennis has returned to the red clay of Roland Garros for the 2016 French Open, and John is there on site this week in Paris covering the tournament, not only for SI, but also for the Tennis Channel. Pretty plush gig. Last week, John broke down a tournament preview, 
with former world number one Lindsay Davenport. You can check out that podcast and more for more time at si.com slash podcasts or on the app of your choice, including iTunes, Stitcher, and now Google Play Music. And now back to my conversation with Martin Keimer. It's interesting that you mentioned the Olympics. Uh, as you know, not not all the top players have, have embraced it. Uh, several have pulled out, even Rory McIlroy and Danny Willett this week, voiced concerns about uh, Zika virus. I mean, do you have any hesitation about heading to Rio for, for several days to play? Is there, is there any concern in your mind about, uh, about playing in the Olympics? Um, to be honest, for me, it's very difficult to answer that question because until now, you know, I was just super excited about the fact that I can compete in the Olympic Games. Now, obviously, you, can, you listen to more and more players dropping out. You know, but when you just mentioned Rory and Danny Willett, I, I didn't even know about it until you just mentioned it. So it makes me wonder how serious is it really and why is everybody pulling out? And I, I was just excited about being part of the Olympic Games and I haven't really made any research and I haven't worried too much about Zika, but obviously now it becomes more and more people think about it and talk about it more. So obviously I will, I will think about it a little bit as well, um, but I would think it wouldn't uh, change my, my opinion of, of going there. So you, yourself and Alex Cheka would be the uh, two Germans representing your country, um, most likely, if, if the standings stay where they are over the next couple of months. I know Germany's not a huge golf country to begin with, but you know, do you sense there will be much uh, interest from, your, from fans in Germany, or is it sort of just kind of another golf tournament? Well, it's very difficult to say because there's no experience um, in terms of golf in the Olympic Games. And... Uh, I think it depends a little bit on, on myself as well, how much I promote golf in, in Germany and the next two, three months until the Olympic Games. Um, but uh, I think the media, they are, it's, it's a lot up to them as well, how much, how much they make out of it, if, if they show any interest of, um, of trying to explain the, the people in, in Germany what golf is really about and that golf is part of the Olympic Games. So a little bit background information. Do you think players should feel an obligation to play? Sorry, again? Do you think uh, players should feel obligated to represent their countries in the games? Well, well not obligated, but I think um, it's kind of a responsibility. And if you see it as something that harsh, then I think you should see it as a responsibility. For me, it's really a pleasure, you know, to not only because I can play for my country, I can be part of the biggest sport event in the world seeing other athletes who are the best in what they do. And I can only see that being very, very inspiring. So um, I don't see it um, yeah, in a way of that you, know, what it, you have to be pushed or feel like obligated to go. You and I actually interviewed you, this is going back uh, 2010, not long after you won the PGA. And um, we had a chat in Bermuda at the PGA Grand Slam at Golf. At the time, you said you said you had the chance to become. This is right before you became number one in the world. Uh, you said people in Germany uh, talk about me like I could be the next Boris Becker. What he was in tennis, I could be in golf. Here we are now, six years later. Has that has that panned out at all? Do you think you've made an impact on on the game at that level uh, in your home country? I don't think on that level. Um, I think therefore golf is still too little in Germany and. Um 
it's very difficult. I think, you know, through the experience the last five, six, seven years that I made, um, golf in Germany is not really growing as much as I thought and as much as I wished. Um, then the timing of my success, you know, especially with, with the with the U.S. Open, um, was probably the worst timing that I could have chosen um, because of the the soccer World Cup was was starting the very next day. Germany was playing against Portugal, and the excitement was more about the football. So um, it's very difficult to see much growth in uh, in Germany in, in terms of golf right now. Does it feel like a long time ago that that you were? the number one player in the world. Obviously a lot has happened uh, in particular over the last year, but certainly in the last, in the last five years, um, you did hold the top spot there for eight weeks early in 2011. Do, you know, does that, does that feel like a long time ago to you? And, and does it feel like you, is that, does it feel like you could get back to number one? Uh, is that an achievable goal for you? Well, the number one in the world is not really interesting for me anymore, to be honest. Um, I'm more focused on the short term goals. You know, I have my goals for tournament I would like to win. And if I keep winning those tournaments, um, then eventually, if I'm good enough and the others don't perform as, as good as they perform now, then um, I might have a chance to, to go back to number one in the world. But uh, the way it is right now, that I can focus on, on small targets and small goals and really work my way up there. Um, that is a primary goal, and I'm, I'm very happy the way it is now. But now we're going to take another quick break. I just want to let you know about another great SI.com podcast. With the NBA playoffs on a knife's edge, no one wants to miss a minute of the action. But in the real world, some of us have to actually go to work in the morning and can't stay up for the late-night games. That's why we have our NBA guys, Ben Golver and Andrew Sharp, watching every minute of the games so they can podcast overnight and tell you about everything you need to know. You can subscribe to their podcast, Open Floor, on iTunes, Stitcher, and now also on Google Play Music. Now back to my chat with Martin Keimer. You know, that's interesting because, you know, you did hold the top spot. You've won two majors, including a U.S. Open. You made a winning putt at the Ryder Cup. You've won a Players' Championship. You're going to play in the Olympics this summer. I wonder, you know, what, what drives you at this point? You've sort of done it all in golf uh, to this point. What, what, what motivates you? Well, there's still two majors missing. There's still the Olympics missing. There's the BMW. PGA Championship missed them, but more tournaments missing that I would love to. Uh, obviously, the FedEx Cup is a massive goal as well one day. So there's, there's there's a lot to practice for. Do you, do you feel, this is a strange question, do you feel old in any way? You're only 31 years old, but when you look at, you know, Jordan and Rory and Jason Day, who are in some cases, you know, 9, 10 uh, nine or 10 years younger than you, do, do you in any way feel old uh, in this game? Uh, no, I mean, I wouldn't call myself old in that game. You know, I'm only 10 years on tour, which is for some long time, for some short. Um, I feel, I feel like I'm still, still learning quite a lot. And um, I think you're old when you are maybe 15, 16 years on tour and you have been consistently on tour and have been in the top 50 and do it over and over again. Um, then you are more like a veteran who is very, but terms of age, you know, I think that that's the beauty about golf. I mean, if you see Mickelson, he's uh, I don't know, 10, 15 years old. Um, yeah, he is older than me, and he's still competing with the young guys that you just mentioned. So um, I think, you know, in golf, I don't think you you feel ever old until you get to the Champions Tour, and then 
can't compete with the guys out here anymore. Yeah, of, of some of those players I mentioned, <clears throat> McElroy, uh, Jason Day, uh, and Jordan Spieth. So, you know, over the last three years, I would say you could have made a case for each of those where, you know, fans generally felt one of those guys um, at one point during that stretch was sort of the, clearly the dominant player and the guy you would think would potentially, you know, uh, make the strongest run over the next five to ten years. I mean, is there one guy now? I mean, Jason Day seems to be the guy everyone's talking about. But of those three, uh, which which guy has impressed you most? I think Jason Day is pretty much an all-around great player. You know, he if you see him... Obviously, we all know what what all around means, but I think he has a good mental um, aspect as well. I played with him in Doral this year. Um, the way he played there was not great in terms of golf, but, but his mental attitude brought him um, to a decent result. And then a few weeks later, he started winning again. So I think from from what you can see from the outside and playing with him, I think um, Jason Day is, is doing a lot of things right at the moment. Martin, you mentioned the Ryder Cup uh, uh, a few minutes ago. I think you're about 18th on the on the points list uh, at the moment. I know that's a goal for you this year. Is that is that you know? Are you checking the the ranking weekly? Is it is it is it that important to you, or do you kind of just wait and see how things unfold this season? I actually checked for the first time on on Monday, so a couple of days ago, where I'm actually standing. I wasn't looking at, at the rankings until until Monday. I would like to know where, where I am, and I'm not stressing about it. I just know. Um, what, what I need to do now, and obviously one or two wins wouldn't hurt. Um, a couple of good finishes um, happened already with the Spanish Open and, and the Irish Open, and now obviously with the big summer coming up, I can get a, a good goal and hopefully find the form well and, and can perform and uh, show Darren Clark that I'm, that I'm ready for the team. Okay. If you do qualify, would you please promise to go easy on the U.S. this year? No. <laughs> Thanks, Martin. <laughs> Appreciate your time. That was my conversation with two-time major winner Martin Keimer. I'd like to thank Martin for taking the time to join us all the way from London. And I'd also like to say thanks to everybody out there who's listening, wherever you may be. This podcast wouldn't exist if not for our loyal listeners, so we really appreciate you plugging in and downloading our pods on iTunes or at SI.com podcasts. This is Alan Bastable signing off on another edition of the Golf.com podcast. We'll see you next week.